problem with your new third eye, but can you keep it closed? Every time I look into it, I see visions of me on death. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new uh, bonus episode. I mean, I'm still going to number it like a normal one, uh, but it is kind of a bonus episode of the Podquisition because if you're listening to this when it goes up, it's Saturday, a.k.a. November 14th, a.k.a. Gym Dependence Day, a.k.a. the anniversary of all of this shite. Uh, not the podcast specifically, but, but yay! Hooray! It's been a year of me being independent, of me um, having left uh, The Escapist and previously having left Destructoid, uh, basically getting out of the old rat race, traditional mm. media, and being Patreon-supported and funded directly by my audience. Uh, it's been an incredible year, and so today I'm doing uh, just just some extra gym content. You, there, there'll be a bonus gymquisition, uh, there's a bonus podcast that you're listening to now, uh, if you're listening to it, you might not be, in which case it's weird that I'm talking to you. But <laughs> as always, we're joined by Laura. Hello, Laura. Hello. How are you doing today, Jim? You all right? I'm all right. I'm all right. I, I may, I may, not today, because we're recording this before the day, but I may just get fucking drunk on Saturday just to celebrate. I really um, can't blame you. I'm planning to do the same when I hit my one year of having not had to be in a retail job. Hooray! Which is coming up rather scarily soon. That's awesome. We will celebrate that one as well. Don't you worry. And Indeed. Gavin, who has very kindly donated some of his fallout time um, to recording an extra <laughs> episode this week. Hello, Gav. Hello. Uh, you all right since I talked to you yesterday? I'm fucking great, man. I'm having the time of my life this week. Oh, that's good to know. Is that sarcastic yeah. or are you genuinely... Oh, no, I'm I'm genuinely... The last oh, time good. I had this good a time was when New Vegas came out, so... Oh, yes, awesome, awesome. Um, so, cool, cool. Uh, we won't hammer on too much about... Because I, I, I just uploaded... No. When people are listening to this, I just uploaded the last podcast. And, I mean... It's, and considering it's I talked so much about it on the last one. <laughs> you did talk about it. We I, gave you quite a bit. I did have a look at the like at the stuff when I was editing. You did do at least 40 minutes of talking about Fallout, yes. just of your conversation. Yes. There's at least 40 minutes of you talking. That's good. That's a good it. That's like incredible innings. That, um, that is pretty impressive. That is about half of the episode is you making noises because <laughs> that are about Fallout. So yeah. for this episode, um, we're doing things a little bit different. Uh, a, because, well, we, we already discussed most of the week's stuff, a.k.a. just Fallout and Rise of the Tomb Raider. Yeah, like literally nothing has happened since we recorded the last episode. Yeah, I don't nothing think anything known. newsworthy has happened. And we never get enough time to answer questions anyway. So since this is a, a technically an extra one this week, uh, we thought mm. we'd just answer questions uh, for pretty much the episode. Um, so Laura, as always, uh, being uh, the dutiful uh, question grabber person that she is, uh, has questions, uh, and, and I believe, having looked at them, most of them aren't shit. So yeah, that's, I, I that's have wonderful. Enough, I have enough stuff here that we might actually be able to get a whole show's worth of questions that aren't shit. That's incredible. There, what, what a like celebration. A, there's always a bit of a, a balance. You've got to sift through some shit to find the nuggets <laughs> of gold questioning. And um, in terms of starting with like pure gold questions, wonderful questions that are deep and intelligent mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. are really going to make you scratch your head, Zara Stark wants to ask, would you kiss a ghost? <laughs> okay. I, I would kiss a member of the band Ghost. But I don't know if I would kiss the member of a member of the band Ghost. <laughs> I, I, I feel like kissing a ghost is a 
rather rather difficult mixed I was going to use the phrase mixed bag that's a horrible phrase but a rather up and down adventure roller coaster of a time you're going to yeah. have because first oh. of all on your human corporeal side you've got a body the ghost does yeah, not you're going to try and kiss no. the ghost you're going to kiss through the ghost that's physics the ghost is going to get really sad because the ghost has probably not been touched by anyone because it's a ghost and no one can and touch if, it. If you're in the Witcher universe, that could end really badly for you. Indeed, it yeah. could. Yeah. I mean, that's another thing. Like, like which universe? What ghosts? I mean, mm. some ghosts are solid in various situations. I mean, uh, I mean, if it's Patrick Swayze, I'm like, yeah, bring it on. <laughs> yeah, Patrick Swayze. You know, he can make a clay pot with you and then kiss you. Um, he can put his hands in your clay pot. <laughs> I would kiss most ghosts. I would kiss like the sad ghost from Undertale, Napster Blook. I would give Aww. Napster Blook a kiss. Like let yeah. him Would you would you kiss Ghost from uh would you kiss Ghost from Modern Warfare 2? Not so sure on that one, no. What about Ghost from Game of Thrones? <laughs> I suppose. So, uh, yeah, most of us would probably kiss a ghost you, you if know I would manage it. Yesterday we, we, we brought up something that was like, you know that's on DeviantArt, and I'm calling that one in again. You know somewhere that's on DeviantArt. Somebody oh, that's... Did. I mean, you just go to the, like, any Rule 34 hub and type in Game of Thrones, mm. and, and most of it will probably be direwolves. Yeah. Um Someone As, who cares less about their search history than me, go and look it up and let us know yeah, what you find I, I on really the next do, I really don't care. I've had the worst stuff in my search history. <laughs> That's true. I might look it up myself. Um, um, I yeah. will talk about, on the subject of ghost kissing, obviously context is a huge thing. You know, we mm. need to know what ghost means. You know, is it a boo from Super Mario Brothers? Or, no, or is it the ghost of Bootle Bay? You can't kiss them because they'll vanish, the, the, the boos, when you try and kiss them. They'll go all shy and vanish. Now, I do know of one instance that has stuck with me as, uh, since childhood. Uh, or there's one documented instance of ghost kissery um, that I'm assuming is, is scientific fact. Um, it's from the supernatural Australian children's show, uh, uh, Round the Twist. Mm. Now, that was such a brilliant show. Yeah, now now most listeners won't know what the hell I'm talking about, but a lot of the people in the, in Europe, uh, and of course Australia, uh, if it was Australian, could have been New Zealand, I don't know. Um, but there was one episode, and, and, and everyone will know because, uh, everyone will remember it because it would go, have you ever, ever felt like this? With strange things happening, are you going round the twist? That was the theme tune. Yeah, um, the theme but... tune's been going round in my head since you said those words. I'm just like, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm clocked out of this episode now. I'm just going to sing round the twist all That's the it. show. It's... Once guys, it gets guys, into your head, you Guys, fine. before yeah. you go on, right? Right. Oh, shit. Have you ever, ever felt like this? When strange things happen, are you going round the twist? Oh, fuck. <laughs> Bro, fucking Vosa. Well done. That is, I did not expect a musical interlude this week. Well fucking done. Gavin's pulling out all the I, stops. I just realised I forgot to tune the D string back up. So if you heard a little fluff at the end there, that's what that was. I, I, don't I don't think, think anyone's going to be complaining if anyone's about gonna complain, If anyone's yeah. going to complain, they're a fuck-knuckle. <laughs> um, so, wow, that was awesome. Thank you so much. Um, <laughs> but one thing I do remember from Round the Twist uh, was there was an episode with a ghost girl and one of the boys kissed the, the ghost at the end. And he turns to, like, whoever, they asked what it was like, and he goes, uh, it was like chocolate ice cream. 
So, according to the scientific observations of Round the Twist, the theme tune of which we just heard rendered here, um, ghosts taste like chocolate ice cream. Uh, if that is true, and I've got no reason to doubt it, then I would mm. probably kiss every ghost. Well, I've been thinking about how do you kiss a ghost, and the best answer I've been able to come up with while thinking about this is get the ghost to possess a physical object. Mm-hmm. Uh, preferably one that, you know, maybe like... I was about to say something that could feel, but then we're getting into the realm of, I want to kiss this ghost, I'm going to have to kiss like a rabbit or something. But just get into a mannequin or something, I'll kiss the mannequin. The ghost Uh, can get out, we've had a good time. I mean, obviously at this point, most of our listeners are thinking about real dolls. Uh, or something of that. <laughs> I mean, you can get a, an inflatable thing if you don't want to spend now, that much I'm, money because real I'm, dolls are expensive. I've I'm literally just picturing like a cheap styrofoam like wig head, like literally <laughs> just like a human head made of styrofoam. It's like get in there, ghost. We're having some kissing times. <laughs> Imagine the poor fucking ghost when you just got this polystyrene fucking bowl with a wig on it and a face scrawled on in marker pen and you're like, get in that, get in that, I'm going to kiss you, you dirty fucking ghost. If the ghost was really craving for attention, it could possess one of those dummies that like they used to train doctors and nurses. What, like Mm. a CPR dummy? Yeah. God, can you imagine that? Those absolutely horrifying, terrifying things from the lowest depths of the uncanny valley. Well, I'll close my eyes, it'll be fine. What if that's been going on? What if ghosts have been stealing kisses, which is immoral and unethical, by possessing uh, CPR training dummies and getting free cheeky snogs off the Red Cross? Yeah, so, okay, next time you go to learn how to do CPR, make sure you bring some salt and, like, Mm. a Bible that you can burn and perform an exorcism of some kind. Just to make sure that there's not a ghost having a cheeky snog in there. Yeah, and and for good measure, just kick it in the head. Like, the person who, because they're expensive, the people who are brought it out for you to train with, the first aid people, they won't like it. St. John's Ambulance will not be happy if you go kicking their dummies in the head. But you've got to tell them, like, I've got to kick a ghost out if it's in there trying to get a ghost. It's like, you know, you are the St. John's Ambulance. You don't like things that are bad. You know what's bad? Ghost stealing kisses. I've got to do this. It it is important. stealing my lip leaf virginity i'm not having it right i i I want ghost free mannequins or i'm not going down there and kissing it and they're like well you're not (laughs) kissing it jim you're just and i'm like don't tell me what i'm doing st john's ambulance when Uh. i'm down there on my hands and knees i'll be doing what i want to that mannequin and that's why i'm not allowed in st john's ambulance anymore Speaking speaking of questions that might require you to have a trip to St. John's Ambulance, mm-hmm. Stephen Lord Bannon Punter wants to ask, if you had to eat a video game, which would you choose and why? <laughs> <laughs> and I have a I have an answer for this. I suspect I, I suspect Gavin too. does, yeah, because he actually yeah. looked at the questions in advance this week. I I had my moment of am I in some kind of virtual reality simulation? Gav actually mm. read the questions. Do you want to go first, Gav, seeing as you've actually got an answer? Oh, you go first if you want. Okay, I don't mind. Okay, um, So I was thinking about this on a very sort of... Um, I was looking around my room being like, right, what video game that is here right now would be the easiest for me to consume? Mm-hmm. Um, and in terms of just, like, physical eating, it's got to be some game on the PlayStation Vita. You see, I was thinking that, like, mm. either a DS cartridge or, like, yeah, a Visa cartridge yeah. would the, be The Vita better, ones are very yeah. thin, very narrow. You could probably swallow one of those whole. It would be unpleasant. It's it would probably than cause a, you some problems. Yeah. It's smaller than an After 8 Mint. I mean... Yeah. 
Yeah. And it doesn't have the problem that a 3DS cartridge has, where it has a little, like, ridge sticking out to one side, oh, which will probably get stuck in your, th- in your throat. Like you a know. fishbone. Yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure you could pass a Vita cartridge without too much um, pain and discomfort. You just you just pop the gravity rush out the end, give it a wash down, and you can pop it straight back in your Vita. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, I've, I've had. <laughs> I I've think had, that's how the human body works. I have had Game Boy Advance games survive going in the washing machine before. I can only assume a Vita game would survive the human digestive yeah. system. I'm I mean, seeing if you really a whole worried... new marketing campaign here. Eat a Vita. <laughs> Eat a Vita on a Rivita. Vita. That's good. See, I want to buy another one already, and Lord knows the Lord knows the Vita needs the marketing push. But if you mm. are going to swallow PS Vita games, be responsible, kids, and pop it in a condom yeah. first. Or just if you're worried about if, like damaging it. If you want to go even smaller, like get a like a 16 gig micro SD card and put mm. put a video game from the PC onto this tiny little micro SD card, and that'll probably go down even easier. That's good. Pop a little Commander Keen or something on the micro SD card, swallow it, and then you've eaten Commander Keen. So yeah, that's and good. The rules are that you gain his powers by doing so. That, that's pretty much a standard fact. Yeah. Um, yeah. G- Gavin, you who yeah. read the question, what answer do you have? Okay, I would eat Gears of War. And the reason I would eat Gears of War is because you get a serving of big, beefy meatballs <laughs> turning with red paste everywhere. <laughs> And a big, healthy portion of cheese to go along with it. it it's that's, basically that's a like really a, good answer. It's like a meatballs and I spaghetti bolognese. Yeah, you you did some pre preparation here. You didn't just do something off the cuff of your head like me yeah, that, and this other idiot. That was actual banter. Like they, they, for the first time in history, this show's got banter in that, it. This that, is the this is the best <laughs> episode we've ever done. That, that is almost like the beginnings of you could write an article for Kotaku, which is top ten video games I would eat and why. Like that could be your first paragraph of that. Yeah, Talking I actually about did your, your pasta dish. <laughs> I actually did an article for Destructoid once called Top Ten Video Game Characters I'd Eat. Every yeah. Saturday for a while, I would spend I would spend an hour or two like coming up with the worst top ten articles I could. One of which was that. Another one, like top ten video game characters that look like David Bowie. Um, top ten video game. Oh, characters I want to see I that would... one. Yeah, I'll have to dig it up. It's it's all on destructo.com. Yeah. There's just I did all a whole of the bunch of all of the Awakens in Destiny look like David Bowie. Yeah. Shitty top tens are the best joy of writing at Destructoid. And one of my like uh, underlings, Joe Parlock, he got his start writing at Destructoid because when he sent me some some like uh, sample articles, one of the samples he sent me was top ten big burly male video game characters I would bang really hard. <laughs> and he's like, he basically just wrote about the fictional like big burly orcs that he wanted to be his husband. Tell, was tell like, me, our big beefy go. meatball Marcus Phoenix was it? Marcus Phoenix was I, in there. I can't remember who was in there. I think it was a lot of anthropomorphic like big orcs and stuff from indie games, if I remember correctly. But it was all very hunky man meats. I mean, top ten orcs I would bang. Like, I mean, that's. That, I mean, that, if there's any dig worthy right there. If there's any medium you're gonna not. Like, have any trouble finding big, hunky man-meats in? It's gaming, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. There is no shortage of big, beefy man-meat in video <coughs> Huge games. Huge, pectoral, big There's pretty burgers. much nothing the Unreal Engine does better except, like, waist-high air vents. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, other questions this week. Bo Hillers wants to ask, what's a game you played, finished, enjoyed, then realised that everyone else on the planet completely hated? Hmm. Fallout 4 <laughs> um, Shadow the Hedgehog 
Shadow the Hedgehog. Shadow the Hedgehog. Gotta bring it back up. Everyone hates it. I genuinely still love it. That game made me so sad. Damn, I didn't see this question. Um, You you guys talk, I'm going to look through my Steam library very quickly. That's all Um, right. This is the bit where we praised Gavin a minute ago for having done research before the show. (laughs) I didn't see this question. (laughs) It was in there. This this list is unchanged. You were like, oh, I'm reading through the list. I've got to read the list. (laughs) And now you're like, I know one, I know one, I know one. Uh, Amnesia, a machine for pigs. I was like, this is so good, it's so much better than the first one. And then I looked at the internet and they were like, fuck this game. Do do you agree with the criticisms people had? Or do you look at them and you're like, no, you're all fucking wrong? Um, Usually when criticisms are that full of hyperbole, I tend to just not bother looking at them that, because that it is, was a lot of mm, fuck this and you ruined it and blah 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 that, blah, that is totally yeah. fair and that is why i ignore all criticism of shadow the hedgehog because you know it was such hyperbolic criticism you couldn't take it seriously as nuanced critique so i choose to believe that they were just getting salty and they really actually kind of liked it so yeah i'm on to you internet i know you like shadow the hedgehog i know one game i remember playing and enjoying um not loving but like enjoying um, and then found out afterwards that everyone in the world despised it, and some people were actually angry at me for liking it, because of course they were, was um, Operation Raccoon City. Now, I know some people already are probably like gritting their teeth as they listen to me say that, but I thought it was good. Like I gave it like a 7 or something out of 10 when I reviewed it. Like, you know, not high-end, this is amazing, but this is pretty good. Um, obviously, it was a spin-off. It wasn't a Resident Evil game, but as a third-person shooter that was admittedly buggy as fuck and not fun to play solo, um, for an online third-person Left 4 dead type thing in, in the Resident Evil universe, mm. it was... It was actually all right, and and I enjoyed it, and I, I'm kind of sad that there's probably no one on the planet playing it anymore, because I'd, <laughs> I would have loved to have gone back and do it, like, maybe mm. a gameplay series video or something for it, but I'm, I thought it was I'm cool. Su- I'm surprised you didn't mention Dynasty Warriors, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I actually the- used, I used you <laughs> in a conversation the other day with that game. I was chatting to Grey, and I was saying how much I like Black Ops 3, and he's like, do you, you know Jim hated it? And I was like... Jim likes Dynasty Warriors, end of debate. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually, the, the sad thing about that is that is how a lot of people discredit my reviews. <laughs> and yeah. They certainly used to. Undestructed, uh, yeah. it was very popular. It was like, in, rather than face the idea that I might have had legit criticism, they just go, Dynasty Warriors, and run away. <laughs> um, but I've got to say, like I think due to efforts from people like myself, uh, there was a reviewer at Eurogamer and Jesse Cox on YouTube, um, sort of popularising the idea of liking Dynasty mm. Warriors. And Over the past few years, mm. a lot of people came out of the woodwork to the point where the series is kind of... It's still got a ton of critics, and to be fair, a lot of the criticisms are warranted, but mm. but it's got a fair cult following in the West now, and I, I don't I, think it's that shameful thing it may have once been. I've actually got one that's going to upset a lot of people. What's going to upset a lot of people? Prince of Persia, Warrior Within. I really liked it. I really liked it too. <laughs> I, I, I well, quite liked to be it fair, as well. Laura, we are both fucking like emos. So. Well, this is it. Like, I like that game for the same reason that I unironically love Shadow the Hedgehog, where it's just like my inner 14 year old that was like just starting to dye my hair black and stuff like that. It's just like, yes, this angst, it fuels me. Him as a character, the whole angsty thing was a bit 
It, it was guff. But as yeah, an actual video game, it was I fantastic. thought Warrior Within was very well designed. It the was traps well were amazing. It was the platforming very... was great. The combat was fun. I I even liked the uh, the God was it God Flesh or God Smack? It was one of those two bands. But the uh, mm. I liked the heavy metal soundtrack. Yeah, I thought it was good. Um, I think my last one for this, and this was one that a lot of people had one huge complaint that I came out of the game just like, oh, I didn't realize people hated that. Was the control scheme in um, Kid Icarus Uprising on the 3DS? I had no problems with that being painful to play. I really enjoyed my experience with it. I told the internet I liked it, and they screamed at me. They were like, oh, it's the worst controlling game ever. How can you like really? it? It's unforgivable. I had the opposite experience. I told people I didn't like it at all, and the internet screamed at me and said, it's fucking brilliant. How can you I, complain? I really liked the game, but that control scheme like didn't bother me, and it, it bothered so many people on the internet. I, I could not bear most of that game. Um, not just the controls. I found I found most of it oh, dire. Oh. Sorry. Fight, 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 fight. <laughs> um, <coughs> so with that question out of the way, I've got a question that's fairly specific to Jim here. And this is a question that goes back to one of your older shows a little bit. Patrick Rowland wants to ask, in a very old episode of Podtoid, Jim mentioned that he had rewritten the Bible up to the point where the pirates attack the crew of Noah's Ark. Did he ever finish, and where can we buy a copy? I got nowhere near finished. I I did at one point when I was younger, um, in my younger, edgier days, <laughs> um, sort of really early 20s, um, possibly like even like 19 or something, started rewriting the Bible, um, and, and just filled it with horseshit. I think at one point... Um, I went into lurid detail about the flood, uh, the Noah's Ark flood, um, and replaced the rain with acid and detailed like the, the really horrific death scenes. And that was most of my story of Noah's Ark. The, the whole bit about the Ark and the animals barely factored into it. It was just a horrible, Yeah, there was just a bunch of water and of everyone got killed very violently. Yeah, um... It was rubbish, and no, it doesn't exist. Um, a lot of the city things I uh, thought would make great projects don't exist anymore. I, um, I, I will say that I, I think I understand this mentality because I am currently knee-deep in working on a project that I'm pretty sure I'm going to look back on uncompleted and look at the same way, which is I'm currently working on a coffee table book of butt reviews of video game characters. And I'm currently <laughs> sat here like, I'm going to get halfway through this and I'm going to stop. And I'm going to look back on this in five years and be like, what was I doing with my life? <laughs> I want to do a Jimquisition tie-in book. That's, the, that's, that's on my list of things to do, because I feel like I'd actually knock that out and like, sell it as a fun little e-book or something. Um, I haven't decided exactly what it would be. Um, it would probably be in character as sort of the, you know, the Jimquisition on-camera persona, so really arrogant, self-serving mm. writing. And I haven't decided whether it would just be like a, a detailed chapters on everything wrong with the game industry or just like a, an autobiography from my perspective, which I would have to run by my lawyer because the things I would want to put in it could be classified as libel if they weren't, if it wasn't clear that it was a joke. Because <laughs> um, Rick Mayle wrote an autobiography, mm. um, you know, uh, rest in peace and all that. Uh, fantastic fucking influence on my life oh, as, a, exactly. as, a, as an entertainer. Um, passed away. Um, was it this year or last year? Uh, um, 
a while, a while recently. Ago. Well, yeah, recent, still, still, still recent in my heart. Yeah, um, he wrote an autobiography. It was two years ago, Vivian. <laughs> there you go. Two years ago, it still feels like fucking fresh to me. Yeah, uh, but if, he... if if you're in London, there's still a um a shrine to him in Hammersmith. I think it is that's oh. on like one of these park benches that still has a load of photos of him and stuff. That's nice. People go but he and wrote, fill up. He wrote an autobiography called, um, what was it? Better Than Hitler, Bigger Than Christ. Uh, and it was the most egotistical fucking um, book. Full of lies. And <laughs> libelous statements against Adrian Edmondson, Nigel Planer, like everyone he's ever worked with. Uh, just made everything up uh, and... and made himself out to be like this hero of entertainment it was it's one of the best reads it's probably still easily available on amazon or whatever and yeah, if you're I'm, a fan I, of rick mail like i am definitely i'm definitely but is he obviously taking the piss in it like oh, very obviously taking the piss but but he never lets up like he never it's written very straight faced but it's still very clear that he uh you know, is lying, and yeah, that's it's, the joke. It's very it's, straight-faced lies with the occasional very obvious lie thrown in, I'm guessing, to be like, oh, well, that's obviously not true. That's, uh, okay, this is all still a joke. Yeah, but it, 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 it reads like, you know, the ramblings of of a real far-gone narcissist. <laughs> and it's it's beautiful. It's it's a beautiful piece of, um, uh, like, work. And I was thinking of... Uh, Perhaps I can see of, how it influenced your own work then, Jim. Yes. Well, actually, <laughs> funnily enough... Um, I no, I, I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just the, the whole uh, Jim character on the Jimquisition is quite Rick, like that, isn't Rick it? Rick Mayle is a, is a huge influence, I would not deny yeah. it. Yeah, like he, um, his mannerisms, his behave, the manic energy he, bring, he brought <laughs> you know, when he performed is something that I think I picked up in my own... Um, you know, back when I was doing live theatre... Production mm. stuff. Now that I do on camera stuff, I think uh, a big part of the sort of the manic uh, energy that I bring. That was what, how it was described to me by a, uh, my drama teacher once. Um, <laughs> this manic energy I have, I think, is in, inspired a lot by him. And funnily enough, and I don't know if it's if I ever did this subconsciously or not, or if it was just a coincidence. But there was a show he did, uh, Rick and Rick Mel and uh, Nigel Planer and Adrian Edmondson did between the Young Ones and Bottom. It was a show called Filthy Rich and Cat Flap, um, which was, it was a funny show, but it was an acquired taste. Uh, but there is a, a moment where uh, Rick Mayall playing um, Rich, Richie Rich, um, gets up and sings Morning Has Broken. Um, and I, 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 it's like Morning Has Broken, something, something, I am still sexy, thank God for me. <laughs> and, and I don't know if that ever... Because I just blurted that out on an episode of The Escapist's uh, Jimquisition run on an early episode when mm. I was trying, really hammering home this egotistical <laughs> character to annoy the people and that just didn't like on. me. <laughs> yeah, and people loved that phrase. And I don't know if it was a subconscious... It certainly wasn't a deliberate reference. Um, but, you know, there is a good chance that Rick Mayle is, is partially responsible <laughs> for, like, one of the most successful aspects of what I do. So, so yeah, that, that, that was a bit of history for you. Uh, based off a question of, of some shit I once wrote. I, I but, still say say yeah. Dirty Beano when people ask me to describe what you do. <laughs> dirty Beano. Dirty Beano. I do like that. Uh, so next question up on the list, let's try going for this one. Um, Justin Fierro wants to ask, 
Do any of you ever read the novels and physical books that they write that are connected to video game series like the Mass Effect, Dragon Age, Tomb Raider, Witcher novels, etc, etc? No. Not even the Witcher ones? Um, I would like to read the Witcher ones at some point, but I think that kind of... I don't read any of the ones that are spin-offs of the games. You'd want Put to read the way. original. The, ori- the, the no- Witcher novels were the original. Um, well, this is this is. Lore. I kind of included them in there in my thoughts. Like, I, have you read the original Witcher novels? Then, no, no. I assumed you'd at least read those. No, I don't know. I just in my head, I assumed you had. <laughs> no, I've got a copy somewhere, like of the the first Witcher book. Um, I started reading it, got like part of the way in, but never finished it. And that's actually mm. my relationship with. Uh, Games, uh, books based on games. Obviously, The Witcher is a game based on a book, but I have the only one I've ever read in full was Dragon Age, the first Dragon Age book, the one that they released mm. before Dragon Age uh, Origins came out, uh, which was actually a pretty decently written book. Yeah, Bio- it was, it was Bioware's cool. like tie-in novels are really pretty good because the only ones like I've really got into is the Mass Effect ones, and they were really pretty good put together books. There were their own standalone stories in those worlds, so yeah, they they do all yeah. right. At least at least from my experience, my limited experience. Uh, yeah. Somewhere I've got the Tomb Raider book. It just showed up in my mailbox. Mm. Um, I've not read it. I've read some of the Dead Space one, um, the Dead Space prequel that sort of talks about unitology. Um, I've heard it's very good. Uh, what I read was promising, but I I never got like more than a few chapters into it. Mm. I tried reading the Elder Scrolls one once. The, the I forget what it was called, but they had an Elder Scrolls book. Um, I needed something for a plane ride. And I... Sitting quietly in the plane was preferable to reading more of it. Like, it, it wasn't well written at all. That, that, um, so I don't recommend the, the Elder Scrolls the, book. The books in the actual game, the Elder Scrolls, are great. Mm. Yeah, like they should just compile those and sell them as a book. I'd read that. Yeah, I would, um, I would read yeah. a book that was just a physical book of all that in-game lore that you don't stop to play while you're reading and like, playing the game. I kind of wish Fallout had that, those little mm. books you can find and read. With silly stories fun, and, I mean, they're going so hard on merchandising uh, with Fallout Four. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if copies of taboo tattoos and things were available oh, for sale at some point. That'll happen soon, I'm sure. Cause, I've been yeah, everything. I've been sent yeah. copies of those like novels, those tie-in novels with games. I just never. I read like the first few pages. It's always like nah. Yeah, well, mm. the, the ones that are tied into Bioware properties, I've generally found pretty good. Um, other than that, it's not a video game one, but I've been reading the um, the tie-in novel to Welcome to Night Vale recently, and that's oh, a that really... Is that out? Yeah, it's out. The Night Vale novel's Fuck. out. Yeah, Fuck. did you not know the Night Vale novel was out? Fuck! I've been following it for ages, and then, like, I've, I've, I haven't gotten around to listening to the last few episodes, so I completely forgot about Night Vale. So, Fuck! Okay, it is... I'm going to pre-order. I'm gonna, not even pre-order. I've got to yeah. order. I'm going to order it now. Don't order it right now. Um, like, I've been reading it, not listening to it, and uh, you can definitely hear uh, Cecil Baldwin slash Cecil Palmer's voice as you're reading it. It's very written in character. Oh, that's it. Uh, d- should it, I get the audio version? or? or uh, I, I got both. Or? I've been reading the book, but I will go back and listen to the audio book, I am yeah. sure. Um, what I will I say, it's a really good entry point to that world for new people in that like some of the structural stuff about the way that that podcast is already set up means that it's not unnatural for them to reintroduce certain concepts and explain them again. Like let's say the dog park comes up. The fact that in the novel, they remind you 
uh, yeah, n- no humans are allowed in the dog park. No dogs are allowed in the dog park. It's not unusual for that kind of stuff to get re-reminded because, you know, they do it in the show. And as such, it actually makes a really decent standalone novel if you haven't listened to the podcast, just about a weird fucking town. I imagine that would be a sensible um, thing to do, is make sure that it stands up on its own. Yeah, and from my experience with it, it does. It's a really good, like, standalone story that you could completely skip and not feel like you're missing something in the podcast. But equally, it's its own, like, oh, this is a really cool thing that I now know more about this world. So I like that tie-in novel. That one's good. That's awesome. Well, I've got that that on its way to me. Woo! Uh, other questions this week. Uh, another one from Justin Fiera. Justin Fiera, you did a good job. You got two questions in on the week that we were like, oh, let's find some good questions. Um, what's your What's you three's fondest memories from recording the podcast over the last year? And I think you had one of we- these, Gavin, because there was one episode that particularly yeah. tickled you when we recorded it. And I think it was one that went down well with the audience as well. And it was definitely one of the most memorable episodes. It was the one where we were doing our Batman villains. Yeah, I can't remember. sexy Batman villains. I can't remember why we got onto sexy Batman villains, but we were coming up with names on the fly like Scatman and the Poker and the uh, the Diddler or the yeah, Piddler. The Piddler. And... It was... that, that was a good episode. It's hard to... It, it's hard to come up with a better one than that in terms of like on air proper awesome moments like that, that, that was, was one of those moments where we just broke down by the end of it and we were like yeah yeah this is the thing we're doing and people listen <laughs> there's there's been a few there's been a few moments that i've really enjoyed and some it's like this feels really like it, it's not what the show's necessarily like often recommended to people for but i've liked a lot of the really serious moments we've had on this show like yeah. um like some of the times when we've just stopped and slowed down and we've had nice serious conversations about how much we appreciate the audience and stuff. Like I, I really like that we've got the kind of show going where not just once, but multiple episodes, there will be times where one of us will stop and be like, Hey, thanks to the audience for being really fucking nice as an audience. Mm. And that is just one of those things that I think it's very easy to take for granted that we have a really bloody nice audience with this show and I'm really proud of the kind of audience we've curated. And every time we get to remember that on the show, I'm like, oh, that's sweet. The episode where we talked a little about bullying and school and stuff as well, that was that was oh, a nice we, episode. We got so many messages after that episode just of people being like, oh yeah, you all make me laugh and then you made me feel better about myself because I felt less alone. I'm like, that's what I, that's what I want to do here. Yay, this is good. Yeah, I actually got a... I, I won't name names, um, but someone sent me... Um, it, it arrived in my P.O. box. Mm. Um, I, got, I, I picked it up yesterday. Um, had some Skaven uh, Warhammer plastic models in it. Um, and they said that they're... Um, like, uh, this is why I won't name names, just because mm. you know, I don't know if they want that out there, but they lost a, a family member uh, recently and said that uh, it was Podquisition and Jimquisition that had been keeping them going, keeping them sane um, during that grieving process mm. and and that yeah i mean that, well, we've we've had yeah me. we've had similar messages in the past and they've been really sort of heartwarming like there was someone recently that was talking to gav about how his music um sort of helped him push through while trying to get in shape and he ended up going from being sort of out very out of shape into being like a, a like on a sports yeah. scholarship and well he can fucking pass some message. of that goodwill to me can't he <laughs> 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 yeah i i really like the moments that like 
this show is like batshit crazy sometimes. Like I look at the titles of episodes of this and I'm just like, this is a thing that is part of my work week routinely that people really like. But like, those aren't the things for me that I remember. Like I have a lot of fun doing those, but it's the moments where it's like someone was like, oh, I had a really shitty day and it just like listening brightened my day where I'm like, that's it. That's, that's what I'm remembering from this. Thank you. Yeah. I, I will say again, while we're on the sappy train is, um, <laughs> When, whenever we finish recording, it's always a special little favourite moment for me. And I've, I tweeted this um, before, and it's true every time, is that every time we finish recording uh, and, and we've hung up the Skype call and everything afterwards, I've always got the biggest grin on my I face. couldn't agree um, more. Like, there is, no, there is no part of my week that is as consistently enjoyable and just lovely as this, I think. It's just yeah, one like, of those... Oh. Part of the reason why I... You know, I've said this again before. Part of the reason why I... I Podquisition is the way it is, is because it gave me an excuse to chat to two of my friends uh, more sort of regularly, and yeah, it's just it, it's it's fantastic fun, and and I'm I, I get to grin really hard for you know over an hour a week, uh, yeah. even, no matter what's going on, no matter how you know any other stressful, any other you know you know we t- I I didn't bring it up on on the, the the last episode, but I've been going through some stuff with. Mm. Uh, various threatening behavior and, and stuff and just in general bad is, times yeah this show is is always a nice escape from that um even when i feel like oh i'm going to be too worried about this thing to record i forget it while we do this that's the thing it's, well, it's just awesome i've i've had some stuff going on recently and as soon as you're five or ten minutes into this it all just falls away and it's i think we just all have a lot of fun here and that's that's always good. Um, while we're on the sappy train and talking about like you getting the podcast together, this might be a good time to do a little thing I wanted to very quickly do that's not a question in this episode, mm-hmm. which is I went digging back through me and your Facebook messages for about a year ago today, um, maybe, a, maybe a week or so out, when you first asked me to be on the show. Mm-hmm. And my favourite thing about this, and I don't think I've ever talked about this on the show, is the fact that... I was initially convinced that you like that your invitation was to be a guest on one episode and I didn't want to assume that you were inviting me to be a host full time because that seemed too exciting. So there is a very awkward Facebook thread. I'm just having a look now where your initial message was you were very sort of upfront about it. You're like, oh, yeah, well, we're talking about podcasts and putting together a podcast for the Jimquisition. Um, I've got Mar- uh, Gavin Miracle of Sound done confirmed and wondered if you were in- if you'd be interested and I tried to keep my... As if, as if Laura was somehow supposed to know who that was. I, I'm going to be honest. I had no idea who you were. It was, it was a couple of episodes in. I realized, oh, that's the guy that did the Commander Shepard song, which I'm sure is not how you want to be known. But, like, I, I... I have brought this destiny upon myself, Laura. This, this is the, the, the grave that you dug for yourself. But, um, like, reading back through the messages, I was very, like, trying to keep my excitement down and not let on how excited I was about the offer. And then there's just a moment a week or so later where I messaged you being like, so, um, I just, just, just want to check something. Is, is this just, I just want to check if understood right. Am I going to be joining you on this every week? Or is this just, I'm just invited on as a guest for one week. And you were like, no, I think if the pilot goes well, you're going to be on every week. And that was when I went away and had a bit of a squeal. (laughs) Then, then, then Jim went to his wife and went, fuck, they, they, they think I meant that, like, I want them on every week. Shit. <laughs> what am I going to say? Now, I'm going to have to have them on every week. 
Yeah, this whole thing's been a Basil faulty misunderstanding for the past year. But this, this is it. Like, I asked at the, the beginning. The has just gotten bigger, I, I was bigger af- Laura. I was afraid that if I didn't ask, then we would end up in this situation where, like, I assumed <laughs> I was meant to be on again, and you didn't have the heart to say no, and... I was just awkwardly sat there in the corner every week, like, ah, I'm on a podcast, ah! (laughs) And not really bringing much of any other substance to the table. I hope that's not the case. (laughs) (laughs) No, not at all. Like I said, this was... this, this was entire this entire show is by design mm. uh, because I wanted the excuse to talk to my friends and yeah, people it, who I thought would would be a great fit for the show it, and it, clearly the success of the show has proven me right. Oh, exactly. But it was just one of those like I was like if you're listening to this podcast right now, imagine if you'd been asked to be on this show. That's about how excited I was. I wasn't being professional at all. I was just like, oh, that's. Jim, I get to talk to Jim every week. Ah! And that settled down a lot as time went on. It was just like, oh, okay, this is now, you know, this is part of my week. I'm not quite so, you know, ah, about it. But I was very. That's got to the point where you just like, you just took the reins and you just tell us, you tell us what we're doing and. And if we don't like it, we can fuck up. Yeah, tell, tell you what to do, tell you what questions we got, what's our news, who's the guest that we've got coming on in three weeks yeah. or whatever it is. And all then I tell you to fuck off well. and it's all good. I mean, you know, you just kind of took that upon yourself, uh, which is not what I expected. And it's just... I, I didn't think I would either. I was very sort of... I was very afraid going in of stepping on toes by trying to do too many things. And if I didn't do them well, would it then be awkward to ask for... Like, to be like, oh, no, you're not doing a good enough job on this. We're going to do it instead. Would that be awkward? I don't think I had to worry about most of that, looking back on it now. No, the only thing, the only thing that worries me is uh, I keep... Um, every month when my... Um, the, the things I donate to Patreon go out. I'm like, I don't give her enough, so I need to I need to fix that. That's the the thing. The only thing that needs altering in this is that needs bumping up because I did. Like I said, I did not expect you to just sort of throw yourself into the well, show. As I didn't. You did. it, I didn't expect myself to either. But it just kind of you two are both fairly busy a lot of times, and I'm just like, oh, I don't mind sitting at a computer and just like. Doing, I, I like organising things, and therefore, thing that's kind of what happened. Yeah. I inserted myself into organising <laughs> things. We should do some questions again, shouldn't we? We got a little bit of time yeah. left, I think. That's uh, that fun stuff. Who should we take a question from? Marcus Hades or Hades? I've answered you before. I've asked a question from you before in some week, and you told me which one it was, and I forgot. So, Marcus Hades, Hades. Uh, what's the hardest um, thing that you've had to do in a game? Not in terms of mechanics, but in terms of ethic or mo- ethical or moral choices that you've sat and had to be like, yep, I, I'm i not comfortable with what I'm having to engage with here. This is a difficult situation. Does it have to be a choice or can it be something the game just made you do? I think both are fine. So either a choice or something the game made you made you have to go through. Well, the uh, the torture scene in GTA Five definitely stands out to me there. Mm, I did not want to do that scene, and I was annoyed I had to do it. Yeah, that's a really good call, actually. I think I think mine might actually be from this year. It was the the last scene in episode two of Life is Strange. That was for mm. me personally probably the most the most emotionally difficult thing I've had to do in a video game. Yeah. I guess. Um, yeah, because I don't want to talk about it too much because of obviously spoilers and stuff, but I remember you um, on the show detailing aspects of why that was difficult, and yeah, I can see that being 
a damn tough ride for anyone who's been affected by what that episode touches on, um, mm. for, for sure. Um, for me, and I, I was going to do it like write about this or maybe do a video on this uh, at some point. Maybe I still will one day. Um, because it struck me as, I don't want to say hypocritical on my part, but strange. Um, at least with regards to, well, I, I guess it's an interesting point about how often our personal politics um, guide us more and make us more uncomfortable than anything else. In, in an industry largely driven by killing people en masse, um, all you have to do is add a slight political angle to it, something that slightly trucks with your own belief system, and it can change how you view the game. Um, mm. For example, um, I've got no problem murdering... I mean, this is a very easy, you know, simple example. No problem gunning down hundreds of pedestrians in GTA V, but once they introduced animals, you show me a dog and I won't go near it. <laughs> And that's just a very simple thing about how, at least in video games, our morals are um, amplified at the same time as they're reduced. And the thing that really brought that home for me was L.A. Noir, mm. when, when you had to work the vice desk. Because I'm, that made me uncomfortable. And I realised in my mind that was kind of silly from the standpoint of... I've got no problem shooting innocent people or police people in Grand Theft Auto games, but I can't arrest someone for smoking the reefer in in L.A. Noir because I disagree with so much of what you know the law classifies as vice crimes. You know, mm. um, so that made me you know not uncomfortable enough to the point where I didn't like the game. You know, I loved L.A. Noir, but I, it always struck me as this poignant thing. Um, mm. You know, and as as has already been confirmed by the recent Jimquisition, I'm a complete degenerate anyway. So. Oh yeah, but that's no surprise <laughs> to anyone. We all knew you were a degenerate. Yeah, so obviously the vice desk would be a problem for me. Um, but yeah, that that was I guess that was difficult for me to I guess wrap my head around being part of when I consider the war on drugs personally being such a huge waste of fucking time mm. um, it's, it's very so yeah. interesting when you are forced to play the opposite side of a moral stance that you personally hold mm. that mm. is a difficult thing and I think that that's something that video games are really good at that they don't really take enough advantage of yeah they could stand to um, I, I, the the, the Optune is there to do a lot of brave stuff, and I, I don't know if the industry en masse is mature enough to handle it, but, you know, I could name a few instances uh, where you could play the opposite side of something where typically you're not, uh, where typically you're on the other side in video games, and how powerful that could be. Uh, but I just, I'm not sure the, the industry at the moment could handle I, I'm not sure uh, some the, of that stuff. I'm not sure the industry's ready to do those kind of things. Um, in a way that is nuanced enough that it won't end up as a Fox News headline. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty yeah. much, pretty much. Um, so, other uh, questions this week. Um, Zachary Lands wants to ask, um, and this is a good one for for you, Jim, because, you know, Independence Day. Jim Dependence, it's happened. Or it's happening, time travel podcasts. Um, going independent... What have been the biggest challenges you've faced? And are there any aspects of being an independent content creator that have either been sort of easier in your day-to-day -day life or more difficult than you expected going in? Um, that is a good question. 
Um, people have asked me this on and off, and I've had like bits and pieces of, of answers for them. Um, I guess for me, when it comes to challenges and the difficulty of it, um, knowing that I am completely on my own can be intimidating. Uh, knowing that if if something wants to be, if I want something reviewed on my site, like I'm gonna have to go for it myself. I can't. I've got no one to delegate to anymore. Mm. Um, so you know, when Rise of the Tomb Raider and uh, uh, Call of Duty and Fallout Four all happen at the same time, uh, I try and do it all myself. Now, I used to try and do it all myself anyway. <laughs> um, because, you know, because back at Destructor, I was the only full-time person around most of the time to handle stuff. Uh, but there was always that safety net of, if I can't handle this, someone else can take yeah, it. Yeah, and if you can't handle it, there'll be someone very excited, very willing to do it for next to no money if you throw the game over to them, because they'll be excited because they actually got one of the big games. Exactly, yeah. Like mm. I'm, I was playing Skyward Sword for uh, Destructoid at one point, and I was like, you know what, I find this... <laughs> actively unbearable like i i and i realized to some that's heresy but personally uh, it's the one of the only zelda games i've never been able to enjoy and mm. i really did not i hated the motion control stuff in it and i'm like i have to mail this to jonathan holmes <laughs> uh, so i, I sent it what, to you, jonathan you didn't want to do destructoids zero out of ten unplayable on the new zelda game <laughs> i just i it was it was act some some games just mm. you know they're actively unpleasant and i know it's I know it's because I'm not the fit for the job. I'm the, the 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 right fit for the job. Yeah. Um. And now I kind of don't have that option. I mean, I could freelance it out, which is something I'm still considering for certain games in future. Um. Uh, but right now, that's not been a consideration. Mm. Um. Mostly because one of the benefits of um being independent is. I don't have to worry about waking up one morning to find out that one of my colleagues has done something terrible <laughs> and, and caused a shitstorm uh, that blows back inevitably Unle onto me because I'm the most visible face. <laughs> well, yeah, but that, it's it's a bit lessened because um, you know it's not like we are colleague colleagues so much as um, you know friends who are doing a similar well, podcast it's, together. Well, it's it's one of those if we do something very actively terrible on this show, it might blow back on you, but. Otherwise, well, I don't you're know. All I, right. cer I certainly have a lot of people who think you're my colleagues, we, we <laughs> and, are... and like to tell me how wrong you are. Well, <laughs> I look at how much time I put into this every week. I feel like this is like, oh, this is a work engagement. You are colleagues. This is a business venture. We must do. This is nothing about friendship. This is all about the numbers. Well, it's I, business. I think the other thing... I, it's not business for me. <laughs> the other thing I, I know is that you know I know you both very well and trust mm. you both. Um, whereas, you know, a, a company employing dozens of people, um, trust you don't and know rat everyone. races don't mix well. Mm. Yes, so it's it's a very different situation. It's, just it's a different situation when you can cherry pick who you're trusting. Yes, exactly. Um, you, you know, so there's always that worry, and, and I've always ended is, up um, as kind of the face of a company that I work for mm. uh, because I guess, you know, I end up being one of the most prominent people there. So even if there's something I've got nothing to do with happening, uh, I will inevitably get the blame or implicated somehow. Um, so I'm just so glad I'm out of that risk I... factor and knowing that when there's a controversy, when something's fucked up, 
it's on my shoulders. It's my mm. responsibility, which should sound scary, but at this point is just a relief. Mm. I've certainly had some of that experience. Like, I, I don't have anything to do with the old site I used to run anymore, but a little while back, a site I used to run and that I helped put together accidentally did a thing they weren't meant to and because all the developers know me from that site they were all like oh fix it fix it i'm like i don't work there anymore but fine (laughs) i'll fix it because you know those are always fun experiences when they happen but yeah yeah because again i've been you know not i'm a couple of weeks behind you on the whole doing this full-time thing like independently and then i'm not fully independent because i still do stuff the destructoid and freelance stuff but having done this whole thing for a year now and being largely responsible for my own income stream as a freelancer, um, it is rewarding and terrifying and freeing and terrifying <laughs> in that, like that you are completely right that there is this really nice aspect to not having to worry about other people and that you have a stupid, silly idea you want to pour way too much time into fine. You can do it. And there's no one who's going to stop you. Yeah, and that's that's another good thing. Yeah. It's like I've never really been No no one but stopped. your view counter is going to stop you. <laughs> yeah. I've I've never I've never had uh, anywhere I've worked tell me explicitly you can't do this. Mm. But there's always I th- there's always the feeling. The yeah. idea that you're making someone hiss through their teeth it's the when you've got if. an idea. Just the yeah, what so if. Knowing that I can, you know, and, and I trust myself having done this for so many years mm. to know that I'm not going to go too far. Um, but, you know, I don't, I've never always had 100% trust wherever I've worked. Yeah. A lot of leeway, more leeway than I may have deserved at the time. <laughs> um, but not having to worry about that is, yeah. is good as well. Having, and yeah, you, know, you know what's really tricky? What? It's when a large part of your brand is you as a person. Yeah. In try, trying to balance the public personal self with the public professional self and find the right ratio mm-hmm. for that is really hard yeah to find what your audience actually how much of you they want as a person and how much they just want you to do your job and because it's really hard to gauge sometimes you know yeah and that's a big thing for me and like i've talked a little bit about this before like i'm currently trying to move because like i know that i'm really bad at separating the personal and the work like not even just in terms of like what i put out there into the world but equally in terms mm. of but the nature of the work you do out. is the nature mm. of the work you do is so personal yeah. that it's it's much and harder than say if you're in like a uh, a desk job or something yeah. to do that. You know? And that's the problem is finding that dividing line both for what's like the the amount of sharing that works for me and for my audience, but equally on top of that, working out where my own line is just in my home life of what is workspace and you know relaxation space, what is personal time and what is work time. And that's been a big thing for me this year is trying to like, as much as I love the place where I'm living and it has all its lovely, great stories, there are so many problems that are tied in with being a self-employed single, like one person operator working from a single room flat in the, like just having the one space that you work in. That is also the place where you sleep. That is also the place where you eat and relax and everything in one it's very easy for those things to get conflated and Mm -hmm. that's been a big thing for me this year so that i didn't really expect going in that i would have that much trouble switching off work but you know well when you're that passionate about your work and i think that that is a factor with 
most people who are self-employed and most people who mm. are independent is they they tend to be hugely passionate about their work and find it very hard to switch off it. I don't think self-employment works in most cases unless you're very passionate about the thing you're doing because yeah, exactly. there are so many times you will absolutely curse the sun and be like why did I do this but <laughs> you know if you don't love what you're doing there are a lot of times where it's like okay it's probably easiest if I just bow out now it's yeah. funny because people like I, I got a comment last week saying how do you put these songs out so effortlessly and I I wanted to respond yeah. dude I was up at four o'clock last night almost in tears trying to mix this fucking song oh, <laughs> exactly you know like, it's like <laughs> uh the like the other week when i think this was when we did episode 50 um i put the the episode went out and then a few hours later there were a few people who messaged me personally who like weren't gonna leave the show because of it but they specifically have a phobia of certain noises that episode 50 was going to be a problem for them so i sat up starting at midnight and i did a re-edit of the show that I privately hosted and sent links specifically to people who'd asked for, being like, right, uh, all of the discussion of jelly beans is still there. You don't have to worry about any of the sounds, regardless of, like, severity. All of them, regardless, are just straight cut out. And I was up till probably 2.30 in the morning, putting together a new edit of the show to send to, like, three people. And it's because it's like, you know, you put the work in, because that's how you how you make it work. I mean, the... People have phobias of... Mouth noises? Uh, it's specifically... Like legitimate phobias? Yeah, there is, there is a specific name for it. It's wow. a di- diagnosable thing that, like, a phobia oh. of, like, vomiting and gagging sounds. Wow, I had no idea and, that was the thing. No, that and exists. it's not a thing I was really aware of um, to the degree that it was a problem for some people, but I, having had it explained, I was like, that totally makes sense. Um, I appreciate why that makes this episode an issue for you, even with timestamps. I will happily go in and make another edit for you just so that it's there if you need it. I'll put a call out on Twitter being like, anyone need this? I'll send it to you. Because, you know, that's what you do when you're self-employed. You sit up at 2.30 in the morning doing (laughs) extra work. (laughs) Fixing stuff you did. Pouring Doritos on the floor of your garage and spending... (laughs) Hundreds of dollars on a shrimp mask for a, because you watched all the Saw movies twice in a row and thought, well, there's a fun idea. Oh, it's emetophobia is the name of it. Um, as oh, Tilly, Tilly in the other side of the room has just sent me the fear of gagging and uh, vomiting noises. So, yeah, that is a thing. We done did some, some science learning. Done diddly done, their oh. learning's all up nice. Yeah, we, we got some more time to do some more questions or is this a... I can fit a couple more in. Let let me just go uh, refill my wine. Yeah, I've got maybe ten minutes or so more, so I can we can squeeze a couple, couple more in before I got to go over and do my other thing. Uh, Kane Smith wants to ask, what's the last thing that you remember giving you goosebumps? Last thing you remember giving (sighs) you goosebumps? Um, hmm. I I know. I can think of two things recently. And they were the trailer, for, uh, the teaser trailer for Mass Effect Andromeda. Mm-hmm. Like, there was no substance to it, I know that, but it still gave me just, like, tingles all over. And the trailer for, um, again, I'm sure that the game's going to turn out very, very flawed, but the trailer for Detroit, it gave me shivers. Gave me goosebumps. <laughs> and I know the game's probably going to turn out shit, but I'm not going to lie, I got very it was a well made about trailer. that trailer. It was a well-made trailer. What trailer? Yeah. I, uh, the the, one uh, for the Detroit. trailer for Detroit. As, as bad as okay, that sorry, game's sorry. probably going to end I actually out. missed it there. What uh, did you say? The, the question was, what's the last thing that gave you goosebumps? And I, <sighs> like, 
one of the things I pointed out was the trailer for Detroit, the new uh, oh, yeah. Quantic Dream game, which, like, as bad as that game's probably going to end up, I got goosebumps from that trailer. And the Mass Effect Andromeda yeah, one as well. Yeah, that was the other shit. one I mentioned. <laughs> oh, and, Are you and getting your wine? It, it, it could not go without saying this, opening Vault 111 and leaving. <gasps> yeah. I mean, Jesus, that was some moment. <laughs> What about you, Jim? Can you think of anything that's given you I'm, goosebumps? I'm racking my brain. I I can't think of anything. And I Surely know Tomb Raider it, had a few great moments. No, I mean well, the last one certainly it's did. It's a great game and, and I was it, it was I found it exciting, but I didn't find it It was yeah tingly. Jim, did you good. get goosebumps at the bit in Black Ops Three where you're in a helicopter and a rocket fires at the helicopter and it spins out and crashes? Uh, yeah, fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> because like that never happened before in a in a shooter I can't, ever. I don't want to think about. But I got goosebumps <laughs> when I finished Black Ops Three and was like, I don't have to touch this piece of shit again. Um, I, I I know I've had many instances because I love those instances and I can't think of the last time. I can Star think Wars of trailer maybe. Um, actually, yeah that 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 that's that's a good one. I think that's the last time I remember getting one and. Which is fun because, as I often say, like I'm not I'm not a big Star Wars fan. I've watched them all. I enjoy them, uh, but that moment where Kylo Ren in the trailer looks over, just in case if anyone's on media blackout and you've not seen it, I won't bring it up. But they look over a certain destroyed mm-hmm. artifact mm-hmm. and says they'll finish what that person started. Yeah, that gave me the chills. Yeah, that's definitely that's the last notable one I could. I, th- I think up. a yeah. lot of it is like. Um... Things that you found very emotionally, like, oh, there is some emotion tied to that a few years ago, and then, you know, you see something about it. And, again, like, for the Detroit trailer, it was because of the Kara thing, like, four years ago that I really liked. Mm -hmm. And for for Star Wars, it's like, oh, that thing from Star Wars, oh, I'm shaking. Um... (laughs) And I'm just having a look through our questions list, seeing if I can find one last question. Who's going to be the the lucky final question this week? Um, okay, last last question I'm going to go with is from Jamie Detagnan Hagen. I apologise if I have butchered <laughs> your name, Jamie. I'm not good at the word reading. Um... If you could give one piece of advice to all new game developers, indie or otherwise, what would your one piece of advice be? Digital homicide, don't be it. Oh, burn. That Look, is so unexpected. I mean, I mean it's, 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 obvious, it's an obvious answer from me, but... People often ask, what's the point of the stuff you do um, when you have a look at these shitty indie developers and stuff? And... I've had several people who said they're, they're trying to get into the game industry. Um, they're brand new developers. I've had one or two people who, you know, actually have work under their belt who have said they've watched the Jimquisition, uh, they've seen some of the stuff that's fallen out from, like, my Best of Sting Greenlight trailer video, some of my Squirty Play videos, and they've said that this stuff is an amazing look at what not to do. Mm. This, this, you've helped me understand the do's and don'ts so i would say like look at examples like think this, digital homicide think uh, cobra that, studios and th- just don't be them i think that applies to anyone who's making anything creative learn how to filter constructive criticism from bad criticism mm. and learn which ones to listen to and which ones not to yep that is a thing as well um i can't think of anything off the top of my head for like 
new AAA studios, but in terms of indie development, um, my big piece of advice to give everyone is understand what the key selling point of your game is and be able to sell it in a tweet or a single sentence. And no, your selling point is not the fact that you're on Steam Greenlight or the fact that you're on Kickstarter. Do not ever start your emails to press with, hi, we've got a new game on Kickstarter. Because you know what? We get 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 of those a day. You're not going to stand yeah. out. Like, Use your subject line in your email to say, to say in like six words, this is why the game is cool. That's more than six words. You've got to be better than me. You've got to come up with like a subject line where it is, this is why you should care about this game. Opening sentence, don't tell me about crowdfunding. Don't tell me about trying to get publicity for it. Tell me what the fucking game is in your first sentence and make me yeah. want to read more. Yeah, that is a big mistake they make. Um, so many is, people is they, think they, that they've got, the fact they've got a Kickstarter is a selling point unto itself. Yeah. And I'm like, no, it's fucking well not. No. Everyone and you, their grandmother has one. You tell us, tell us what the game is, not what you're doing with it. You know, you just... Everything Laura said there is perfectly true. Um, also, don't if you are selling the game, make sure you've got something to show for it as well. Like, I've seen Greenlight games, like games that go up on Greenlight that don't even have a trailer. Like, it's just some out of context screenshots and a, and a three line description. It's like, no, 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 no. We want to see why this is good. Like, some of the games I've really sort of followed up that, on. That's in more the past. an inherent problem with Greenlight, though, isn't it? It's it's an inherent problem with Greenlight, but it it can be translated into other areas yeah. where we get emails. You know, back when I used to do press, I'd get emails from developers like who want coverage, and they've got so little to show for themselves. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I need to see original art. Don't just get your art. Don't buy it from Shutterstock or, mm. or get it from a Deviant Art account. Um, get some original, unique art. Like nothing gets me going more than a, a really unique piece of art. That's why I backed. Um, oh, I say backed. I didn't back it because it wasn't a crowdfunding thing. Uh, but it's why I went to bat for Rascals, which is a game by Half Brick, mm. the people now more famous for Fruit Ninja. Um, they d they did this wonderful little puzzly race game called Rascals, and it was purely because the artwork for it was just such a such a selling point. Um, and it just grabbed my attention right away uh, that that I went to bat for it. The same goes for Owlboy, which I don't think has, still has ever come out. Um, but I was still, I, I'm still pulling for it. I'm still crossing my fingers for it just because it had such a, a charming look to it. And even though it was the usual, oh, this is a looks a bit like a retro game, um, it was still presented in such a, a uniquely charming way. Um, so you've got to find that unique look and sound. Uh, and feel to your game, which is, again is why these people who are just buying assets from the Unity store and using images from Shutterstock to sell their products uh, aren't aren't grabbing anything except my my derision, uh, because as someone on the Jim Sterling subreddit said, um, they don't got no soul. They've got no soul. Uh, mm. That's what a lot of these games are missing. Some people just seem to think, well, I want to make games. Uh, they haven't thought. They haven't thought to themselves. I've got an idea for a game I want to see happen. It's I want to make games, and then they come up with the important bit second. Yeah. Make sure you've got got a great idea first, so that you can put your heart and soul into Ooh, it. Also, my one last suggestion, and this is kind of tied into that, is 
never try and make your selling point or the first thing you, one of the early things you tell me about your game. Particularly if you're a new indie who's never released anything. Don't tell me your game is going to be the next Minecraft or it's going to oh, be the God. next Undertale or it's going to be the next whatever the big indie flavor of the yeah. month or, that is hugely successful. Or the X game killer. Yeah, don't ever say <laughs> I'll that I'll never you, call your you game Remember how many Call of Duty killers there were? Yeah. Like, oh, I remember when Killzone was the Halo killer. Uh, I mean, look how that turned yeah, out. Yeah, but even like you don't see that too much anymore like that seems to have fallen fairly to the wayside now but you still get so many my game is going to be the next blank huge indie success and it's like no you've never released a game you don't know that you're going to be that successful b if you're that adamant on comparing yourself to something else you probably don't have a unique selling point of your own this is not a way to get people to pay attention to what you're doing yeah yeah, I mean, even though saying it's fallen out of favour, I think the attitude is still there because we see so many Five Nights at Freddy's clones. We see so many uh, crafting-based survival games. Um, mm. You do, don't, but they, yeah, it's it's one of those things of just like at least they're not calling them the Halo Killer anymore. They're not calling it, and but some my, of them. My are, larger yeah. point, my, my larger point is, don't concentrate on being the next anything. Try and be the first something. Because a market leader leads, it doesn't follow. Mm, um, yeah. Be find so, even again, if you're that, inspired that goes, by something. That goes for every creative endeavor, not yeah, just absolutely. Actually, if, if like, even unless if you're, you're like an yeah. ACDC cover band, <laughs> yeah. which, in which case it's perfectly okay yeah. to be the next yeah. something. It's okay to be inspired by something. It's okay to be heavily inspired by something. It's okay to take ideas other things have done. But find the one thing that you're doing that's you. Be the first something. Even if you're doing a generic first-person shooter, yeah. find the something that makes it yours. Yeah, like there's a really great example of this if you're looking in like the voxel Minecrafty space of how to do this. And it was um, it was a Paris Games Week. There was a game shown off that I think it was called like a Borderless or Boundaryless, something to that effect. I apologize that I've forgotten the name of this game, but it is a Minecraft-esque game. But the first thing they show you is gameplay footage in which. There is a really nicely art-designed world with a portal that has no depth that you can walk around and it's invisible from one side, but from either other side you can see that it takes you somewhere else. You walk through it, you're in a different place, and then it also had some other stuff. I'm like, oh, okay, you've you've shown me stuff that looks interesting and new before showing me the, oh, it's Minecraft gameplay, essentially. And you got me hooked, and I paid attention to it, and like... Make sure that you lead with what is new about yours rather than focusing on what's been popular before. Yeah, yeah, that's how you get... It's certainly how you get our attention, I think, you know. Yeah. I mean, you might make money from some shit munchers, but they're shit munchers. Yeah, exactly. So who wants to get money from people who munch shit? Yeah, I, I, only other shit munchers. Don't be a shit muncher. That's my, my yeah. golden rule. We've, we've I'm just putting it out there. If you're a shit muncher and you want to buy my album, go right ahead. <laughs> uh, okay. Your your money is just as good to me as anyone. You, you say that when they hand the money to you and it looks like it's got a little bit of a smudge on the side, it might not be so good to you. Yeah. You, you know they've you, not properly washed their hands poo. after this, being a shit. This is the wonders launcher. of of PayPal, Lorna or Laura. Oh, they'll, oh, they'll find a way to get their like their digital shit on their PayPal. Sorry, goes, I was dr- I've been, I'm drunk and I've been chatting to my friend Lorna all day. So that's fine. I've been drinking Fallout beers all afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how are they actually? Uh, they're Carlsberg. They um. are literally just a bottle of fucking. Carlsberg. Oh yeah, we talked about. It. Yeah, yeah. The, the the Fallout beer is just a bottle of Carlsberg with a different mm. label stuck on. They didn't even do a fancy bottle cap to be like, oh, it's bottle caps. Get the it's get the Fallout. trooper for the next podquisition, Laura. I've I really want to see what you think of it. I've been trying to find somewhere that does it. If I can find somewhere, yeah. I'll have some. But there should be if there's an the, offer um, that does like craft beers mm. next year. 
I'm going to have to pop down the target and see if they've got those Nuka-Cola Quantums, because yeah. I know exactly what it is. It's the Berry Lemonade Jones Soda, and I love that stuff. I've never tried, sh- I've never tried that, but it sounds really nice, and it sounds like a much better deal than our <laughs> terribly, like, this is Carlsberg in a different label. And it's not even, like, branded like it's in-world. It just has, like, an explosion on it, and it says Fallout. Yeah. It's, it's kind of shit. You know, it's Carlsberg. It, 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 it does the job, but... Yeah, should we should we wrap up there for this week? Is yeah, that, that sounds like a good place good. To, to wrap things up. Yeah, hooray, um, hooray you've Laura, been independent for a year, Jim. Woo. Happy anniversary. Um, thank you very much, and, and thank you everyone for... You know, I'll be saying this on the Junquisition uh, when I film it as well. I've not, not filmed Saturdays yet, but uh, obviously the, the thanks that I have cannot be overstated enough. The thanks and the relief every day that this fucking ridiculous gamble I took worked. Um, not just from risking financial distress, but risking humiliation if if the Patreon thing never worked. Mm. Um, it's just I I I terrify my I get I get into mini panic attacks every time I think about how it could have gone, and the fact it didn't go that way is just one of the most incredible things in my life. And this has been professionally the best year. I have ever had mm. um, and 2014 was a, was actually a horrible year for me um, so the fact that this year has just been so incredible as well it, it just, it's just been doubly wonderful uh, yeah th- thank you all so much uh, thank you for to Laura and Gavin for being a part of it thank you um, for inviting me on this wild ride that <laughs> you, you invited me on this show at the exact perfect time that I needed something to get my games critique career going and just you help kickstart off what has been without a doubt the best year of my life so thank you for helping give that that a good push in the right direction ditto it's been a wonderfully grounding thing for me so yeah i i I think thanks all round cheers all round uh thank you all for listening as always um laura speaking of um the kicking things off and, and and everything uh Please tell the people what it is that you do outside of this. Outside of this, I do a load of stuff. I put out a load of podcasts. I do a load of writing things. I do reviews and stuff. Laura K. Buzz is where you find me on most things. Laura K. Buzz on Twitter. Laura K. Buzz on Patreon. Laura K. Buzz, is, there's a subreddit. There's a YouTube. Whatever have you. Come read my things, watch my things, listen to my things. Give me money for my things. <laughs> And Gavin, um, you are kind of a pop star, or so I've heard. Uh, how can we find out more about that? Uh, Miracle of Sound on Twitter, which for some reason nobody knows. I haven't been on much this week. <laughs> um, Miracle of Sound on YouTube, where you can see my songs. And I'm still getting messages a year later from Podquisition users going, I only just checked out your music. I always listen to Podquisition, but holy shit, it's really good. The number I had no idea you were so good. I'm like, yeah, I'm telling you this all the fucking time. Go listen I, to it. I get the same. The number of people who are like, oh, I only just started listening to your other stuff and reading your other things you do. I'm like, you've, you've, yeah. you've been enjoying me for a year. You probably should have thought maybe maybe you like some of my other maybe stuff. My maybe my other shit. There's a reason I am where I am. Yeah, maybe I do some <laughs> yeah. other good stuff for you to see. That's why we plug it hum- week. Humility though. is not that reason. <laughs> um so yeah i guess i guess that's it um thank you all again um gavin uh laura uh, everyone listening it's been especially especially the audience especially yeah i mean you know 
via which none of this could be possible. Um, yeah, it, it's it's been wonderful. Thank you all. Uh, hope you enjoy Jim Dependence Day if you're working this Saturday. Um, and I'll be emphasising this on the Jimquisition as well. Uh, it's officially a national holiday today. Tell your boss Jim said it's okay. Um, you can go home. Um, I fully expect all the stores to be shut, uh, even churches to be closed. Um, a church is usually open on a day. Saturday. Well, not this, not this week. <laughs> They're going to be closed in remembrance. Um, actually, they might be open for worship. So that'll be something, which definitely means Hobby Lobby will be closed. They're so, closing as a protest that Jim hasn't finished his Bible yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they run out. They read the other one and they're bored. Uh, thank you all for listening. We will see you next time. Bye. Bye. That was a great episode. I loved that. <laughs>